0: Hey guys, Bailey here. Just wanted to let you know that we recorded this episode before the fire at Notre Dame on Monday. So while we talk about Paris in the episode, we don't acknowledge the destruction of the cathedral. At this time, we're thinking of the people of Paris and of everybody who loves Notre Dame. And so we wanted to read a quote from Victor Hugo. Love is like a tree. It strikes its roots deeply into our whole being and frequently continues to put forth green leaves over a heart in ruins. Paris, nous t'aimons. Welcome to the Two Read List. I'm Bailey, and this is a podcast where I attempt to get through the 138 unread books on my shelf. With me is my friend Toby. Hey. My brother Andrew. Hey. And my husband Dylan is our sound recordist. Hey. Hi, Dylan. So we recently had April Fool's Day, and we got pranked by one of our listeners.
1: Oh, I think you exclusively got pranked by our, our listeners.
0: I guess our so, because I'm the one. Yeah, it was addressed to me. So I received this package on April Fool's Day, <laughs> and I opened it, and there's this card, and it says, oh, no, Bailey, you have been gifted several incredible bestsellers. Looks like you'll have to add them to the to-read list. Love, Kate.
1: I think this is a brilliant April Fool's, um, but if, if we wanted to be democratic about this, we could spread these wonderful bestsellers uh, throughout the Good I was thinking about that, and, I was... I, and listeners, I am taking a bullet by suggesting this. These are, uh, why agree. don't you just tell us what we got? Well,
0: I'll tell you what we got. So yeah. the first book I got is called Breakthrough on the New Skis. <laughs> Say Goodbye to the Intermediate Blues by Lito Tejada Flores.
1: The I'm assuming Leto is on the cover of this book, and he looks like every, I don't know, every skiing grandpa you've ever seen, he's ripping down a groomed slope, he's got himself a windbreaker, he looks like he's having another time of his life.
0: And... Apparently, according to the back of the book, it says he is the best-selling author of Breakthrough on Skis and the producer of Breakthrough on Skis video series. So this mm-hmm. is Breakthrough on the new skis. This is like the, the follow-up.
1: Well, I've seen the video series, so I'd be interested to see the source material.
0: Really? Sure. Yeah. Totally. Oh. sounds like well, it
1: this says, one I'm is dumb. perfect for you.
0: I, <laughs> this sounds like this I'm is good. I'm completely kidding. I'm
1: a cool snowboarder, dude. Come on.
0: So that's one. That's book number one. There's four books. Book number two is Discovering Your Past Lives. The best book on reincarnation you'll ever read in this lifetime.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> by Gloria Chadwick. And the cover of this one is very grim. It's like this, like apocalyptic, like wall marching on into infinity. It's all in like bla- grays, and blues and blacks.
0: It's very We will we'll post
1: all these on our Instagram if you want to check out these covers.
0: Yeah, um, and it was published in 1988. Okay. So you know, very relevant
1: the year that i was born
0: there you go the year that you
1: were reborn oh thank you dylan
0: (laughs) so that's book two book three is (laughs) clay aiken learning to sing hearing the music in your life (laughs) an inspirational memoir by (laughs) clay
1: clay is giving us one of his uh patented sultry glances he's got his hand up by his side of his head
0: but wait for the he's got a real
1: metallic tie on Oh, another sultry glance. He's like on a clifftop.
0: He's very pensive in these shots. Mm-hmm. His tie is way too big. All right. Book four and the final book. <laughs> the best book. Yeah. The Clinical Aspects of Some Diseases of Cats by <laughs> Joan O. Joshua. Published in 1965 is the publication date, mm-hmm. and it's one of those really old books that probably will give you diseases.
1: It- there's no cover to this. It's a it's a hardcover book that it seems to have lost its its dust jacket at some point. Uh, it's just kind of a cobalt blue, and it has that like gilt print on the spine. And as Shows we're flipping real... through
0: it, like I can smell the pages.
1: That yeah. smells good. It smells like an old book. Yeah. Oh, there's like a cross section of like a cat ham bone. I'm not a doctor.
0: So. Thank you for these amazing books, Kate. Like, I don't, I mean, I can't imagine another book I would rather read. So my question is, you know. What do we do? What do we do?
1: I think that we're going to do some thinking about how we're going to integrate these into our regime. But I would love it if a listener has a clever idea. If you could email us at the 2 read list Podcast at gmail.com. If you have some nefarious game that we could play where someone loses and has to read a book. Yeah. I don't know. We have some smart listeners. I think, I think they could come up with something that would make us hate them. If you guys had to pick right now, which would you rather read? Skiing book, reincarnation book, Clay Aiken book, or cat disease book?
2: Reincarnation book.
0: I would most like to read the Clay Aiken book. Agreed. I would least like to read the skiing book.
2: I don't know. (laughs) Is that cat book just like a medical journal of cat diseases? Yeah. At least the other one has like a through line of teaching you how to ski. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I I would rather
0: read cat diseases than skiing. I just don't like... I just don't like skiing, guys, and I do like cats, and, you know, maybe didn't I didn't know to you know. had such
1: a dislike of skiing. I'd say, I mean, my reasoning behind a Clay Aiken one is it seems like it'd be the fastest read by
2: far.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, in terms of other business, I have a little bit of... I don't even want to, I don't want to say it. Shame! Yeah. yeah. Could
2: it possibly be shame?
1: <laughs> <laughs> At this point, I feel like you'd be letting the listeners down if you didn't have shame. <laughs> Weekly shame. Yeah.
0: Is, yeah. So... When I was going to pass out bookmarks to promote our podcast, I visited a lot of the small bookshops in Los Angeles, and I saw some that I'd never been to before that were amazing. (laughs) And two of them, I really wanted to support them. And I have Mm -hmm. a book buying problem. Mm -hmm. So I purchased um, Simon versus the Homo Sapien Agenda, the book that was the basis of Love, Simon, at Mm -hmm. this bookstore called The Ripped Bodice, which is the one and only romance bookstore. And I purchased Crossing to Safety by Wallace Stegner, which is like a classic book that yeah. Dylan's mom was telling me about. And I purchased that at the Iliad bookstore in Los Angeles, which is amazing.
1: Don't they have cats?
0: They do yeah. have cats. They Store have, cats. They have two bookstore cats named Zeus and Apollo. And so I have two more books. So then my total is 140. 140 on my books. Well, technically so 144 with Kate's.
1: Wow. I started
0: this podcast with 125. I'm at 144 seven weeks in.
1: Yeah. yeah yeah Yeah. fair enough uh i have a shame that i'd like to say real quick and it's related to last episode uh when i denigrated the legitimacy of adoptive families i'd like to retract those comments they were made in the heat of the moment i was was doing i was saying anything i could to win and i in no way believe that uh adoptive siblings are illegitimate that was a terrible thing to say i I was just seeing red all right i wanted those points
0: i i think that was clear because i know you toby and i will uh, you are only like mildly against adoption
1: how dare you (laughs) no i won't have you spread these lies (laughs) Uh, I'm gonna. I would storm out, but I'm connected by headphones to this enterprise.
0: <laughs> well, Andrew, do you have any shame that you need to report?
2: I do. Um, it's not shame that is going to result in me adding any books to my to-read list. But when I was in Azerbaijan last week, um, I picked Azerbaijan. <laughs> yep, Bailey, you're <laughs> you, Bailey. still wrong. Um, <laughs> well. Whenever I travel to a country that uh, speaks a different language than English, I have a tradition of buying a copy of the book The Little Prince in that language because you can pretty much mm. find it in every language. And I have a little collection of, of those books. And so I, uh, I got one in Azerbaijani.
1: Ooh, That's very
2: cool. Yeah.
0: Speaking of international traveling and other countries... We should introduce one thing that we came up with that listeners might be interested in. Andrew, do you want to introduce it? Oh,
2: yeah. So we all have sort of different roles in the um, creation of this podcast, and mine has become sort of obsessively checking the statistics of where people are listening and how many listens and downloads we have. And one of the best things in the world for that is this map. That's a feature of our podcast host statistics website, which shows you on this Handy dandy map where people have downloaded the podcast. And we, to our surprise, were seeing downloads all over the world. So we created this little game where Bailey, Toby, Dylan, and I each picked five countries that we thought might be the next one to download the To Read List podcast. And so we each picked five. We're going to keep them secret to not influence the results, but we've decided that whoever gets the first one right like whoever uh, has a correct country picked gets to pick a book for the other two people off their list off their list yeah so mm-hmm. there could be some real uh, mischief and and danger
0: so yeah so i'm really excited to see where where in the world where in the world are people downloading podcasts
1: it was very good you you brought it home you had a pause <laughs> there where i thought it was all going to fall apart
2: but it worked
0: so this week is Andrew's turn to share one of his books from his shelf. And that book is... Da, 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 da.
2: Giovanni's Room by James Baldwin. Pew, 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 pew. Pew. That is a... Those a respectful reaction yeah. to the content of this book. That's true. <laughs> those, yeah. were like,
0: those were like erudite and intellectual pew pew pew. Yeah.
2: Okay, that's... <laughs> uh, Giovanni's Room centers around a American living in Paris named David. It involves David uh, struggling to define himself in terms of his sexuality and in terms of uh, his desire and his own identity. The book centers around his relationship with a young Italian man named Giovanni, who becomes his lover, and a young American woman named Hella, who he's asked to marry him. And so what I want to talk about in the book, I, I really liked it overall. It's beautiful and heartbreaking, and Baldwin is maybe one of my favorite writers in terms of how he constructs a sentence that is really surprising. He can be really quick and direct and just get information across, but he can also create these sort of winding sentences that ensnare you in and then drop you out because he's not necessarily concerned with making it make perfect grammatical sense, which I really like. And it's a book that has a really interesting relationship to time, which I like very much, from the first, like, three pages, you basically know what's going to happen. It starts off being told in in sort of retrospective from David's point of view after the action of the story has happened. Um, And so you get like broad strokes of what's going to happen but you don't get the specifics and then the book fills those in and I thought that was a really interesting way to tell it because from paragraph to paragraph you could be at the end of the story you could be somewhere in the middle you could be beginning or even back into David's childhood because Baldwin just weaves those timelines together so well and I never felt lost which I think is just a testament to how great the writing is let me take this opportunity to do a a couple quote or a, a quote to show you how something i liked about his writing
0: you just up with those quotes Mm -hmm. all right (laughs) Uh,
2: so this is a (laughs) quote uh this is at on page 25 of my copy it's around the time the narrator meets giovanni or is, is telling you about how he met giovanni and here it is perhaps everybody has a garden of eden i don't know but they scarcely have seen their garden before they see the flaming sword Then, perhaps, life only offers the choice of remembering the garden or forgetting it. Either or. It takes strength to remember. It takes another kind of strength to forget. It takes a hero to do both." Wow. Yeah. So, if you like sentences like that, come to this book. Yeah, (laughs)
1: I'm I'm feeling that That was amazing. I really want to read this book, man. I'm
0: into it.
2: Pardon me if I'm a little, like, caught up in my sort of fandom of James Baldwin. I really like his writing. And uh, I was thrilled that this got picked How off the shelf. <laughs> so <laughs> I will say this is actually the first full novel of him, his that I've read. I've read a lot of his um, short, short fiction. I've read a lot of his nonfiction and I've read one of his plays. So I, I've experienced a lot of different versions of James Baldwin, but this is the first uh, time I've read one of his novels. I believe I also have Go Tell it on the Mountain, um, another one of his novels on my to read list. So I'm actually hoping that comes up relatively soon.
1: Andrew, would it be, uh, Fair to call you a big fan of James Baldwin—that is a baldy. <laughs>
2: sure, you could.
0: Would you say you're bald? Winning?
2: <laughs> you could say anything you want. That's the beauty of <laughs> this podcast form. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so I'm uh, sorry I interrupt Except you because that that was a great quote. Do you have other quotes that you wanted to share? I don't want to interrupt
2: your flow. Oh yeah, no, no, no. Sure. This is um um this is another quote from very early in the book, page 11 in my copy. Um, it's the narrator David describing his father. He says. Quote, he was one of those people who, quick to laugh, are slow to anger, so that their anger, when it comes, is all the more impressive, seeming to leap from some unsuspected crevice like a fire which will bring the whole house down.
0: Oh, I love that! I, I can definitely think of a lot of people that are like that. Yeah. Good description. Good character description.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean this this Baldwin guy. I think he, uh... <laughs> okay. yeah. Yeah, I love you guys. <laughs> um... Up and coming writer. <laughs> I don't want to say too much more about it because I don't want to influence at all people's experience of reading this book, Um, but as I said, I really liked how time was dealt with in the novel. Um, I really like how Baldwin created in David a narrator who sort of, going off a previous conversation we had, was a narrator who I don't know that I would necessarily want to spend too much time with. He's definitely complicated, he definitely is not always nice, he doesn't always do the kind thing, but he is told so compellingly you have to keep going with him. I also was really intrigued by how he creates the sort of the the dual nature of this love affair which is like so desperately important to david and 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 giovanni and how it is like so necessary for them but also is a prison of a certain way and there are many ways that giovanni's room sort of becomes this like cell that they're hmm. not able to leave because of their desires and how society would look on it and also them not being sure or david specifically not being sure what he actually does desire and who he does want to be in this world right there was one um, particularly good quote in the book about Paris, which I wanted to throw in based on our Notre Dame and Movable Feast discussions. And I want to see if you agree with this, Bailey, having lived in Paris for a few months.
1: I'll yeah. just say real quick, to read list podcast, more like let to read list podcast. Le to read. Let to read.
2: <laughs> yeah, this is like the perfect combination book because uh, David is from New York City and it takes place in Paris, which are the two cities that have come up more often than anything else in, our, yeah. in all of our book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is David just talking to Giovanni about, uh, the differences between New York and Paris. I like New York too, I said, uncomfortably aware that my voice had a defensive ring, but New York is very beautiful in a very different way. He frowned. In what way? No one, I said, who has ever seen it can possibly imagine it. It's very high and new and electric, exciting. I paused. It's hard to describe. It's very 20th century. You find that Paris is not of this century? He asked with a smile. His smile made me feel a little foolish. Well, I said. Paris is old, is many centuries. You feel in Paris all time gone by. That isn't what you feel in New York. And I thought that was a fun quote about Paris.
0: I think that's true. And I also relate to that quote because it reminds me of how many times I've had the conversation with people. I don't know if you've had it too, Toby or Andrew, of like the New York versus LA debate. And every time I'm like, well, I like LA more, but like New York is good. It's also good, <laughs> but it's just not It's just not mine thing. <laughs>
1: Yeah.
0: I have a question related to all this. Yeah, Um, for sure. Do you know if it's at all based on James Baldwin? Are racial issues also a part of it?
2: No. And I I don't want to step on Toby's research here, but like very specifically, the character is written as white. One of the first descriptors you have of him is that he's blonde haired and Baldwin went out of his way, I think, to make sure that that was separated. In fact, there's a pretty famous quote that describes this, and I think Toby probably has it. So I don't want to say it now. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I, I do have it. Um, I, I don't want to start, start my research right now, um, but since we have stumbled on this organically, I will say, yes, James Baldwin did speak about this and spoke about the fact that he made his protagonists, all of his protagonists, or the main characters, white. Uh, and he's quoted as saying, uh, The book was not so much about homosexuality, is about what happens if you are so afraid that you finally cannot love anybody. Um, And so basically they asked, you know, why your Go Tell on the Mountain was your first book. It was about African-American experience in New York and people really loved it and they want more of that. But Mm -hmm. now you're switching just an entirely different subject matter is kind of what their Mm -hmm. publishers said. Really gave him a hard time about it. They were like, why are you producing this novel at all? So he he said basically about this idea, he said, I certainly could not possibly have, not at that point in my life, handled the other great weight, the, quote, Negro problem. The sexual moral light was a hard thing to deal with. I could not handle both propositions in the same book. There was no room for it.
0: Did you have any more quotes or points you wanted to make before Toby does the rest of his research?
2: For sure. I wanted to close my review um, with one more quote. This is the beginning of the second section of the book after um, Giovanni and David have started their love affair and moved into a room together on the outskirts of Paris. I remember that life in that room seemed to be occurring beneath the sea. Time flowed past indifferently above us. Hours and days had no meaning. In the beginning, our life together held a joy and amazement, which was newborn every day. Beneath the joy, of course, was anguish, and beneath the amazement was fear. But they did not work themselves to the beginning until our high beginning was aloe on our tongues. I thought it was just a great encapsulation of the beginning of an exciting relationship.
0: I was going to say that. It's, it's that, but then it's also so different because it's not just you know it's the same type of relationship you've had before. It's a different one that, that they have to hide. Yeah. Yeah, because of the time. Well, this sounds great. So, Andrew, how many stars are you going to give it, and will you keep it on your shelf?
2: I'll absolutely keep it on my shelf. I aware that my review was overwhelmingly positive there's an interesting subsection which i didn't know quite how to deal with where david and some of the other characters are pretty misogynistic though i think it serves a purpose and baldwin is aware of it and sort of addresses it through another character in the book but i was sort of put off by that that said i'm going to give this my first five star review Ooh! it is maybe maybe a four and a half but i'm going to give it that extra half star up because there are no half no half stars Um, but so I'll give it five stars. The only other criticism I have of this book is most of the time the characters are speaking in French in the book. And that's dealt with by the fact that everyone speaks French. So they're just, it's just written in English, but he throws Mm -hmm. in like little French isms throughout it. And as someone who doesn't speak French, since the characters are already speaking French to each other, I did wish he just translated those (laughs) only other criticism.
0: (laughs) That was my major criticism with, um, the brief and wondrous life of Oscar Wow is there's no effort to translate it at all and I don't speak Spanish and so I guess I we had opposite experiences there
1: that's frustrating yeah I, I can appreciate when those kind of like if I read a book uh I speak Spanish okay if if I read a book and those kind of phrases are peppered in there in Spanish I actually really enjoy it and I think it adds a lot to the book but it's like yeah and I've read stuff where there's phrases in French and I've had the same reaction as you like it's frustrating and yeah. I, I wish they wouldn't do it but it's like there's that trade-off when you do get it. Yeah. It brings you way closer to the book. I don't know. So I can't I can't come down on them either way. Like, I think it's good. Or I think it's bad.
0: I agree. Cool. All right. Five stars. Andrew's first five star.
1: Yeah. Nice. Um,
0: okay. So, Toby, do you have any f- other facts about James Baldwin?
1: I got a couple facts. Heck yeah. Yeah. Um, he was born James Arthur Baldwin on August 2nd, 1924 in New York City. James Baldwin was interested in writing uh, from a very uh, young age. He wrote a play when he was 11 years old. One of his teachers took notice and directed the play, put it on at his elementary school. And that same teacher really believed uh, in in James Baldwin and and took him to a bunch of plays and kind of helped introduce him uh, to more art. Skipping ahead, um, at the age of 24, James Baldwin, he left the U.S. uh, for Paris because he really, uh, understandably, had a big problem with the way that black people were treated in America at the time. And he remained in France while doing a lot of traveling uh, for the rest of his life, eventually settling, settling in the south of France. Throughout his life, he became more and more famous, became friends with quite a lot of celebrities of the day. Um, there's a celebrated uh, friendship of James Baldwin with Marlon Brando in 1944, and they were even roommates for a while. There are allegations that they may have hooked up. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know if that's just hot goss. Um, Marlon Brando uh, said later that Baldwin um, certainly educated him about what we today would call white privilege. So, as Andrew touched on, uh, the atmosphere and the facts of Giovanni's room, a lot of them are pulled from Baldwin's real life experience living as a gay man in, uh, in Paris and mm-hmm. in France. And yeah, uh, I think that's pretty much it. Great, amazing facts, person, don't we. Yeah, thank you. Great facts. Very good. All oh, thanks.
0: All right, so. Uh, Giovanni's Broom by James Baldwin, five stars, you're keeping it on your shelf, and you even want more James Baldwin. What a baldy. What a bald w- winner.
1: <laughs> I'm so sorry.
0: All right, so my book this week is The Sun Is Also a Star by Nicola Yoon. A star pew. That was very fast. Yeah. That was a shooting star, pew pew. Yeah, was... exactly. This book I got, um, I've said in previous podcasts that every Christmas, Andrew gives me a big stack of books from my Goodreads list of books I want to buy. And this was one of the only ones from 2016 that I haven't read. I think he gave me 10 books and this was like the ninth one. I've read all the others. So I was excited to read it. It takes place over one day. It's about a young black woman from Jamaica and her family is about to be deported back to Jamaica unless she does something by the end of this day. So she's like... She's a senior in high school. She's the one who's taking over the job of trying to fix this legal trouble. Mm. Um, She's got this ticking timeline. All of a sudden, she runs into...
1: A handsome man. A
0: handsome Korean-American man named Mm. Daniel. And it's love at first sight. Well, for Daniel it is. And for Natasha, who's the female lead, she's more more of like... She's into science and she's into... (laughs) What would you say? She's more logical, whereas Daniel, is he wants to be a poet. So you they, oh, they see, they're different.
1: Classic mix, mismatch.
0: And Daniel says, you know, I bet I can make you fall in love with me over a day. And she says, you've got an hour.
1: Yeah. Also, focus up, man. Her family's <laughs> going to get deported. Why don't you chill out? Well,
0: she knows that, but she doesn't share that with oh, okay, him until okay. later into the story. That's one of the like dramatic ironies. Okay. All right. So the first thing I want to say is this is an incredible cover good cover. I hope you didn't research this, Toby. I did. About the cover? Yeah.
1: I'm a good researcher.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, the cover has a different type of typography. It's like a tactile typography where they're creating the letters, the font out of something that's not ink on paper. So in this case, it's a bunch of nails and a bunch of embroidery floss string that's strung between it to spell out the sun is also a star in beautiful oranges, pinks, and purples. And this was actually made, and it was made by artist Dominique Fowler. Did you already know that, Toby? Are you mad at me? Um,
1: no, I actually have a, a, another fact about it.
0: Oh, yeah? Well, why don't yeah. You, since we're on the topic, why don't you say?
1: Uh, I will say that the author is on record to say that she wanted this string art. It's kind of like, if I would describe it, it's like the strings are kind of exploding out from the text. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said it represents all the things that tie us all together, however separate we may think we are, and all the things that are kind of trying to pull us apart. So it's like, oh, it I looks, you can kind of see it's all connected, but at the same time, it does have this dynamic energy where it seems like it's kind of exploding.
0: There's one little string that goes like really far away. Mm-hmm. So this book, um, it's a YA romance book. Mm-hmm. And that is candy for me. I love those types of books. There are a lot of great things about it. However, in comparison to Giovanni's Room <laughs> <laughs> by James Baldwin, I'm not sure how you know deep and deep it is
1: yeah but you have to evaluate every book on its own it's not attempting to be yeah it's not about
2: no giovanni right now it
0: doesn't always have to be about giovanni gosh (laughs) um but some of the things i do really like about it um first of all the setting covering having it cover one day is really interesting they switch perspectives so i'll show toby because he's right here but um
1: tough luck andrew
0: uh uh i looked it up on the internet Oh, every Ow. chapter, and they're very short chapters, will mm-hmm. switch perspectives between Natasha and Daniel or between random characters. And so you get not only a picture of the love story from both sides, but you also get the reverberations that happen to everybody around them. Um, even just like a chance happening or chance meeting affects their lives. And it's kind of like the multiple universe theory, they talk about that a little bit where it's like if I had made this one different choice, like how would that have affected my life and changed all these different things? I love that it talks about immigration and deportation um, and what it means to be an immigrant and what it means to be an American. And I liked the um, interracial romance. I liked the discussions about what it felt like to, to be growing up in America when your parents are from different countries and they have different ideas about what your future should look like. Um, and opinions about who you should date, and especially what type of race you should date, mm. which is interesting. Um, and so I'll just give you a, a quote so you can get a sense of what the writing's like, and you can get a sense of if this could be for you. So on page 66, this is from Daniel's perspective. This is, as you would say, the meet cute. This is the mm. love at first sight. Okay, is everybody ready? Yes. You're in the right energy space. Okay. Always.
1: Yeah, I'm feeling flirty and fun.
0: Ready, okay. <laughs> flirty and fun. Yes. Yeah. She looks up from her broken headphones. As our eyes meet, I get a kind of deja vu. But instead of feeling like I'm repeating something in the past, it feels like I'm experiencing something that will happen in my future. I see us in old age. I can't see our faces. I don't know where or even when we are. But I have a strange and happy feeling that I can't quite describe. It's like knowing all the words to a song, but still finding them beautiful and surprising. So it's very sweet. Yeah, yeah, very sweet. Um, Yeah, and... What's going to be my major critique of this novel is that were I to read this when I was 17, I would be 100% on board for all of this. Mm. And I would just love it and find it incredibly profound. And I still think it has a lot of that. With that said, I think in my jaded 30s, (laughs) I look at it a little differently. Like having had that first love and having had your heart broken or having gone through all these different breakups or relationships, it's just first love is sweet or love at first sight is sweet but it might just be infatuation and there's so many Mm -hmm. other things yeah but if you you know put that aside and just lean into the sweetness it's lovely yeah
1: i mean you have to do that to to enjoy these books i think and that's like why you enjoy them like yeah you buy into it it's it's like you don't read a fantasy book and be like well orcs aren't real so it's like you've you got to be on board,
0: right? And it's it's just different because, as a realistic book, you can't be like, "Well, love isn't real." Yeah. But that's kind of what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I have a quote related to the title. I don't know if you guys are wondering why it's called "The Sun Is Also a Star."
2: I actually had a theory on that, which is that the sun, um, the thing that's in the sky, the sun, is actually a star.
0: Yep. Uh
2: huh. That was my theory. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Wow.
0: well i mean
1: you got further down it down it than i did
0: yeah all right so basically the title has to do with the dichotomy the play between natasha as a scientist and daniel as a poet mm-hmm. so on page 178 natasha says most poems i've seen are about love or sex or the stars you poets are obsessed with stars falling stars shooting stars dying stars stars are important i say laughing sure But why not more poems about the sun? The sun is also a star, and it's our most important one. That alone should be worth a poem or two. She's basically like, stop being so romantic. Mm -hmm. Our everyday life has magic in it. And you should write poetry about that. Nice. I'm going to give this three stars. However, Mm -hmm. Teenage Bailey will give it four stars.
1: Bailey, How many suns do you give it?
0: Dylan just asked how many suns do I give it. And here's the thing. The sun is also a star, Mm. so I'm going to give it three suns. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and I'm gonna keep it on my shelf for now. I might pass it on because the cover is dope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Exactly, because the
0: cover is real dope. um But I probably won't keep it forever. But just out of curiosity, do you guys have like a favorite book genre that you really enjoyed as teenagers that maybe you're not necessarily enjoying in the same way now?
1: Um, I read. I still enjoy him, but not to the same level. I read a lot of Chuck Palahniuk in high mm. school
0: i can picture what you were like in high school based on that sentence
1: i was trying pretty hard <laughs> um and i think that's why i don't enjoy them as much i still think he's an extraordinarily gifted writer i really enjoy his stuff but there are aspects to it sometimes that do seem like isn't this so crazy yeah that, that i would write this um that sounds like like I think of him negatively though I don't know I don't think I, I don't want I don't to be
0: judgy I just I yeah. just feel like you know whereas I'm reading the sun is also a star you're reading Chuck Palahniuk
1: yeah but different. I think I learned event I like I think I came to realize eventually that you you don't have to be pretending to be so smarty pants all the time yeah I think I was definitely trying to be cool i don't know
0: i was the same way in high school though like there was a period between like freshman and sophomore years where i went from my favorite song of all time being a blink 182 song Mm -hmm. to my favorite song of all time being a radiohead song
1: oh wow! you know
0: it's like oh no no no. i listen to radiohead now
1: you shifted from fourth gear to 18th gear
2: (laughs) in a similar way i um i was trying to be very smart so I read a lot of like classic books in high school, but that's also sort of how I got some of these books on my shelf that I never finished because I wasn't necessarily ready for them. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, I, I don't know if there was a specific genre I read, but I, I, I wanted to be seen as smart. So I tried to pick up the classics and stuff.
0: Yeah, I've had the, those two where it's like, I think I need to reread that because I didn't enjoy it as much as I could have. Like I read Jane Eyre in high school and I feel like I should give that one another shot because I didn't enjoy it as much as I think I should. Also, when I was in the third grade, my mom was reading a John Gresham book, and I picked it up, and I could physically, or I could read the book. I could read, physically read it. I when could I physically looked at it. read it, and I was like. And you know you bring your book in for like silent reading time, and I was like, "This is my book." My teacher's like, "Cool, cool, the cool." The
1: pelican Brief. Yeah,
0: no, I think it might have even been that. And I distinctly remember rereading the first page like three times within like our half hour reading time, and then being like, "I got, I gotta go back to Boxcar Children."
1: <laughs> I mean, the Boxcar Children has their their set of legal dramas.
0: Yeah, no, but but I I do I do like YA work. I actually like YA novels maybe more as an adult than I did because you can look back more with nostalgia in that period of your life. Whereas when you're a teenager, everything is so intense and you take yourself so seriously, as you guys are saying.
1: Yeah. As yeah. far as YA, I've grown, I think through some of your recommendations, mm-hmm. like it doesn't super call out to me, but I will say like there's some standout ones. That are really really good. I feel like my my standard is very high. I can't like be sucked into them unless they're really good. But if they're really good, they really get me. Oh yeah. Like I think what was it, The Serpent King? I, I would
0: them. recommend mm-hmm. Serpent King. Anything by Jeff Sentner. He's yeah. he's the author. It's really, really good. good one. Um, the Book Thief. Amazing. I also really like John Green. Toby does not like The Book Thief. I this used, is a,
1: this is a point of contention between me and my wife, who very much enjoys. The Book you Thief. love
0: it or hate it. I used. Yeah. I think I've said this before, but I used to teach it, and students overwhelmingly hated it. And I was like, you are going to like this book.
1: That's right. Student.
0: <laughs> I, I was cataloging the books when I got them back. And one of my students had, there was like a little bookmark inside and it said, you might not like this book at first, but stick with it. You'll like it in the end. I was like, adorable, but also she didn't like it at first. Oh, that's really cool. Was though. cute, Right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, Bailey, what did you use as your bookmark? Which one did you pick?
0: Oh, great question. I used a bookmark from the Iliad bookstore, which I had just been to, and it was a deep purple color, which matched the cover. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I picked it. Excellent. <laughs> nice.
1: That was a much more satisfying answer than I, than I anticipated. Um,
0: <laughs> Wait, what did you use for your bookmark, Andrew?
2: Um, I used the ticket stub from going up the Maiden Tower in Baku in Azerbaijan.
1: Very cool.
0: Well, that. That sounds cooler than mine. But... Well, it wasn't
2: well, I wasn't wasn't,
1: to... co- wasn't color coordinated. <laughs>
2: wasn't meant to be a, a, a competition, but
0: everything is a competition.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. what a, what a coincidence! Andrew su- suggests this as a segment the time he has a totally baller bookmark.
0: <laughs> All right, Toby, hit us up with some Nicola Yoon facts. All right, Woo!
1: Nicola Yoon. Nicola Yoon grew up in Jamaica um, and in Brooklyn, New York. Um, she actually majored in electrical engineering. Uh, at an undergraduate as, mm-hmm. at Cornell, and she took a creative writing class as an elective, and she says it got her hooked on writing, and she actually attended the uh, master's uh, in creative writing at Emerson. So, Wait, and no, what's
0: interesting that she went from electrical engineering to writing.
1: Well, she actually worked as a programmer in an investment management firm for 20 years. Wow. For a very long time. And she said that she was inspired. She would she was writing the whole time, but she got serious about writing uh, her first novel, which was also a big hit called Everything Everything mm-hmm. um, after the birth of her biracial daughter. Because she is actually she is a black woman who is married to a Korean American man.
0: Guys, this might blow your mind. Here's the thing. Guess Do you what? know
1: the sun is also a star?
0: No. The sun is also a star. Okay, so the protagonist's name is Natasha. What letter does that start with?
2: And- oh my god. Oh, yeah.
0: wait. <laughs> what's her name? Nicola starts with N. Guess what? Daniel, what's her husband's name?
1: David. Yes. Oh, I just guessed. Oh, wow. yeah.
0: <laughs> So, like, I don't know. Just putting this out there, maybe. Yeah, maybe
1: it's a little bit of I don't think there.
0: it's their story, but maybe it's, like, a little much.
1: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, this is from an interview uh, about everything, everything, but it's just basically about uh, mixed heritage stories. Hmm. This is a quote from her. Uh, I think we live in a very diverse world and we need to represent that world. Uh, There are a lot of beautiful people in the world and they need to get counted. They need to be the heroes in stories as well. I'll say for me, it's very personal. I'm African-American. My husband's Korean-American. Our daughter's mixed. When I grew up, I didn't really see myself in stories. And it was important for me, for my daughter, to be able to see herself in stories as well.
0: I like that a lot.
1: So yeah, that, those are my Nicola Yoon facts. There are surprisingly a little bit less facts about Nicola Yoon uh, than there are about James Baldwin. But uh, yeah, seems like an amazing writer. And yeah, just got a long career or whatever. Oh, yeah. Like um, um, And,
0: and yeah, yeah, and the movie comes out um, May 17th. So it's coming out pretty soon. Yeah, very exciting. So Andrew, do you have a game for us?
2: I do. I do have a game for oh. us today. Yes. But it's called Bald James Win. Because... <laughs> <laughs> Because if you can identify the bald James, you win, based on my clue.
0: Is this bald, like, balding or, like, like shaved head bald?
2: That's an excellent question. It's a mix of both. I tried to go to the more extreme side, but there are a couple of these people who would be more considered balding than fully bald. But none of these people are so close that, like, they don't know what's happening. You know what I mean? <laughs> what? I'm What? The way the game will work is Jeopardy style. Please buzz in when you think you know the answer based on my clue. We will be playing first to three and everyone is available to steal. So, for example, if Bailey rings in and gets it wrong, Toby, you're able to steal. And the name is open until somebody gets it right because we need someone to get every answer right at least once. Okay.
0: Copy that. I have one final question. Yes, Bailey. Is there a way that we buzz? Like, do we say James? Or what, I'm what so glad you asked. Buzz?
2: You say bald James. <laughs> Ball okay. James. Ball okay, James. Okay. Okay. All right. All
0: right. I got this. I'm gonna win, Toby. I've been I, winning a lot.
1: I can't even think of one Ball James, so I think you might
2: win. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's try it out. Are you ready to play Ball James? Win. I'm ready. All right. Tony Soprano. Ball James. Bailey.
0: James Gandolfini.
2: That's one point for Bailey. Ball James. Oh, Ball James. Okay. I
1: think I just understood how. I think I just understood how the game works. <laughs> <laughs> He
2: explained it so much.
1: <laughs> I know. I it's just one of those things where your brain is lagging. Okay, I got gotcha. you. He was
0: just staring at the cats.
2: Gotcha. That's yep. fair. That's fair. <laughs> They're sleeping. Are you ready for another? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That'll do, pig.
0: Um, Bald James.
2: Bailey. Oh no, Toby. Bailey, what's your answer?
1: I don't know that. I know the actor, but I don't know his name.
0: James Cromwell.
2: That is correct, Bailey. Bald James to you. Oh no! All right. <laughs> Let the record show Bailey has two of the first two. If I, think they can other count, ones correct, I think they
1: can count that high. <laughs> Wait,
0: can we just go over it again? I have how many? Bailey, and ha- you have do- two and Toby points. Has- <laughs> and Toby, oh, and Toby has how many?
2: <sighs> she, uh, Toby has zero. All right. Oh, no. This knows pity okay. me. Ragin' Cajun. I know, I know who
1: you're talking about. He's a journalist, but I don't That's know his correct, name. That's correct, Toby oh, Ball James. No, oh, I just no, gave it to no. Bailey. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's to you, James Carvel. That's right, James
1: Carvel. Uh, I, James. Have said, I didn't know. I didn't know. You didn't know until I said the no, journalist. No, I didn't know. Oh. <laughs> uh,
2: well, <laughs> well, let's do the yeah, final two. Let's finish it out. Yeah, finish it out. We can. I, I, these are the two hardest ones, so we'll see. Okay. Ultron.
1: Ultron.
0: Um, <laughs> no, ball James? No idea. ball James. James Spader. That's right. I've never seen the movie. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, man. Um, I don't know. Wait, if let's okay, let's don't have know. me get all of them.
1: <laughs> all right. Yeah, let's see if you can go five for five.
2: Inside the actor's studio. Oh. Ball ba- James. <laughs> oh, no. Bailey, what is it? Oh.
0: Uh. Um, James Lipton. That's correct.
1: <laughs> I know all these people, but I don't know last name. Or- yeah, I'm well, no good at trivia. So, so
0: you could picture them in your head. You just didn't know like the last
1: name. I well, I didn't. I had no idea who Ultron was. Like I okay. knew there was a yeah. movie about him recently. I had no idea who that was. Yeah.
2: Okay. Well, Bailey, congratulations. You are the queen of the ball, James. And oh boy. <laughs> Oh, like, man, I can't even speak bad, right now. <laughs>
1: congratulations. <laughs> well, thank bad. you.
0: I feel a little bad actually, a little guilty.
1: I guess I had James
2: Bald lose. Oh, oh.
0: All right, well, it's that time of the podcast where we do the choosing. Ooh,
2: choosing, Bailey, anything you want in your next book?
0: I, I'm on a little bit of a YA kick right now after the last one. I would love to have, you know, another YA book.
2: I feel like I've been getting a lot of, uh, a lot of classics so far. Kind of hoping for a, a newer book. So Dylan, it's in your hands now to either give us what we want or break our dang hearts all over the field.
1: <laughs> well... For Andrew, speaking of breaking your hearts out all over the field, are you saying full hearts, clear eyes? Oh! Can't lose. Oh my! He has number thirty-one. Friday Night Lights: A Town, A Team, and a Dream by H.G. Bissinger.
2: Um. That doesn't like really fit into what I wanted, but I'm still excited, and we, have to, and, and we, and we haven't really had nonfiction on the podcast, because I don't really count writing down the bones because it's more instructional. We haven't had like a, a proper nonfiction on the podcast yet, so that's exciting. And I'm excited to compare it to the movie and the TV show, so that's cool.
0: I have read this book because I love the movie and the TV show, and I think you'll enjoy it. Excellent.
1: Uh, Bailey, you got number 12, Blindness by Jose Saramago. Oh, oh, this is a great book.
0: Very famous um, Portuguese author, right?
1: That's right.
2: I'm excited for you to read this because I also have a Saramago on my to-read list, and I'm really not that familiar with him, so I'm curious to see what you think of him as a writer. Which one is it, is it Death Interrupted? Death with
1: Interruptions, death with interruptions. yeah. yeah. Oh, okay,
2: yeah.
0: cool.
1: Yeah, I'm amped, Bailey. I, I loved that book. I think you're really going to like it.
0: That's awesome. Okay, so in two weeks, we'll have... Blindness by Jose Saramago and Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep by Philip K Dick with Four Toby.
1: Affirmative.
0: Affirmative. That's, that's my
1: Android joke. That was really and
2: good.
0: Two weeks later, Andrews take on Texas football
1: <laughs> He's not even going to read the book. He's just going to tell us what he thinks about <laughs> down south football. All
0: right. So thanks for listening to the Two read list. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can email the to read list podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Goodreads at goodreads.com slash the to read list podcast. We're on Facebook and Instagram at the Two read list podcast and on Twitter at to read list pod.
1: Uh, and if you're enjoying the podcast, please go ahead on iTunes and rate us uh, five stars. It really helps us. Um, and also, uh, if you could write a review, that'd be great, too. It really helps people find the podcast and makes us feel good about ourselves, too.
2: <laughs> also, if you have any uh, book-loving friends out there who you think might enjoy the podcast, please feel free to spread the word. Um, word of mouth has been our best way of finding new listeners so far, and we'd really appreciate it. If you have a you know a book-loving friend, let them know about or us. Or someone
0: that loves bald James's <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Toby and Andrew for co-hosting the podcast with me, to Dylan for sound recording, and to Miss Jillian Beth Durkee for composing our intro song. See you in two weeks. Happy reading. Books, 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 books,
2: books.